I've always always had a passion for for agriculture, growing things, and to be able to see things change and improve. And that hasn't changed in my lifetime. And I'm I'm so pleased that I have chosen um, agriculture and and now what I call agroecology as as something that I that I work toward every day and live with. This is the producers. I'm Danny Fallant. Anne Coote grew up in a rural setting and now runs a small cattle station near Moree in northern New South Wales with her husband and daughter. The way she sees it, she's farming soil and dung beetles as much as she's farming cattle. Focusing on the soil and the carbon cycle that supports it is a necessary rethink in Anne's mind, an essential mindset for our farming and eating future. My name's Anne Coote, together with my husband Bob and daughter Ellen, um, have a beef cattle backgrounding business um, at Moree in northwest New South Wales. The property is situated in um, 30 kilometres west of Moree in the watercourse um, country, which is um, central to um, the river system. So it is actually in a, in a flood area, like a flood zone. Um, we are fortunate to have um, some high country through the middle of it, which allows us, um, you know, a diversity of um, soil types, uh, plant species, trees, and um, that seems to uh, complement um, our livestock backgrounding business with livestock being able to get sh- really good shade and shelter um, and protection uh, from the various um, environmental exposure through the year. So it's um, 640 acres or approximately 259 hectares, uh, which is small scale for this region. The farm Anne grew up on had many different animals and crops, both for the family to eat, give away and sell. It instilled in her a lifelong love of healthy soils and the critters that live in them. Growing up as a child, um, I lived on, you know, at my my parents, the property which I grew up on was very diverse. Um, and it is what I would call something that we need to go back to and revisit. And I think where a lot of us are heading at the moment, we had pigs, we had very diverse uh, livestock. We had pigs, beef, like cattle, sheep. Um, we ran large poultry run of turkeys and chickens and we had an amazing orchard and gardens which we always had ample to share and give away um a lot of those things were free range particularly the pigs and the chooks so that they would also help um you know incorporate a lot of the residues and things back into soils um so that was where I started, but then um, productive agriculture really has really took over in terms of, um, you know, we want to produce more whilst we were thinking that we were doing, um, you know, the right thing by supporting soils and also production, um, we were actually getting ourselves onto a rat re- wheel really in terms of um, the more things you put into the system the more you needed because the system then the natural agricultural system was relying so much on the inputs rather than allowing nature to take its course 
I spent a lot of time with my dad playing in soil, looking for worms and, and dung beetles. It's a bit of an obsession I still have to this day. So where, um, you know, I'd always be looking for, for insects and critters in the, in the grasses and in the soil, to, to really, which was, you know, a key monitor, a, a metric or monitoring point of um, healthy soil. There's, there's nothing like a, a warm um, cow pat or manure from a cow and the dung beetles are active and, the, and the, the manure is pulsing with little critters in there doing their thing. <laughs> so I still have an obsession for that and digging, following a hole to see what lives in it um, and to, to see what part of the um, – of the whole ecosystem that it provides for. But dung beetles are pretty cute little guys and they're really important in, um, in producing healthy soils and healthy plants and healthy food. Anne actively manages her cattle stock numbers as part of an effort to maintain the health of the soil and, in turn, the food systems that her farm is linked with. What we do with our um, our livestock is when we, we rotate them in such a way that when we're running out of food, we'll make a deliberate decision to destock so that we've always got good ground cover and we use a metric of about 70 to 80% ground cover, that's plants dead or alive, um, on the ground to protect our soil. Um, at that point, we would actually start to destock and sell cattle um, and reduce the total number of head that we have on stock on hand. And because of our property size, um, sometimes we, uh, we will buy dry stock like steers or heifers and then we'll, we'll um, at, at about 280 kilos and then we will graze them on pasture feed, natural pasture feed and grasses, um, through to about, say, 400 kilos before that they would be sold on. Generally, there's a couple of options. One is um, directly for abattoir, for butchers, or they could go into a feedlot uh, to be then grain-fed on for either domestic or export market. Anne's lifelong love of soil has translated into a focus on lowering inputs such as fertiliser and letting the natural processes of grazing, manuring and renewal do their job in promoting pasture health and the food that comes from it. It's farming microbes as much as it is farming cattle. Over the last 10 to 15 years, we've been really focused on on the environment, the ecology of and the, the ecosystems that, that we function within. And obviously soil is a really key component of that. Um, we've actually um, worked through a process of um, reducing a lot of input costs by um, taking a lot of the synthetic fertilisers and, and pesticides um, out of our program. Um, that is pretty strategic um, based on trying to do less harm to our environment. Um, we... Also, um, through our grazing management and grazing practices, the idea there is to um, stimulate grass growth as the livestock eat, and then they contribute back with manure and urine back into the system to help refertilize um, our soils as well. And they start to trample grasses um, onto the topsoil surface so that there again helps the carbon cycle. Generally, if you, if you, take the full circle around its food. We're producing food. Um, and if the food that we're eating is not um, dense with nutrients and it's safe to eat, 
then we're actually impacting that that full circle with the things that we're actually applying uh, to our crops and our livestock during the growing phases. In addition to that, increasing the health of soil means that um, we're actually focusing on the livestock that we don't see, which is the microbes that exist under the soil. So once we start to focus on improving soil health, we actually improve the capacity of the various microbes to do their function properly. They themselves will actually help to feed the plants the nutrients that the plant needs. So therefore increasing the nutritional density of of our plants. Climate change events like floods, fire and drought can be major prompts in changing thinking on the land, changing mindset, is a huge part of changing farming. It comes back to us. We're the the decision makers as individuals and um, we we have to change the way we think. We have to to change the paradigm that we've held in terms of what what we've believed in for many years and what we've experienced. And it it may take, um, it may, it may take a, an adverse or you know something disastrous to happen or a disaster like a flood or a fire or even a significant drought for 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 somebody to actually go wow this got to, this can't continue to happen we need to change what we do and obviously you know there's i can think of probably four or five significant dry periods and significant droughts in my lifetime um, that where we've always made um, continual improvement in our management so that that minimises or mitigates the impact on our business. It's all related. Um, and I think this is about this mindset in terms of we, we tend to have been historically linear thinkers. We need to think a lot more holistic about um, our environment and what we do in the environment and, and the impacts that it has. Um, if you think about climate change, um, you know, the, 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 the last drought that we've, we've had, that, that there are still people that are, you know, suffering um, from that, particularly in Queensland. Um, but it's actually implementing things like destocking and maintaining ground cover that can actually help uh, mitigate the losses and help us retain carbon in the soil. The carbon story is um, part and parcel of how the soil produces and we've, we've got to start focusing on um the things that interrupt the carbon cycle in the soil and on our farms to identify which bits are broken and which bits we need to fix. Every living being on Earth is part of carbon cycles. But how does it actually work? And how does Anne see this cycle and her ability to support it for the good of all? If you look at the carbon cycle itself, then we have energy from the sun, So that's um, free energy for all of us to utilise. We have plants. Plants act as little solar systems, their own little solar farms. So we need leaves uh, for that energy from the sun to be transferred into sugars to be able to support plant life, therefore supporting microbes under the soil. The microbes then will in turn do their thing, uh, being fed by the plants and actually start to decompose um, 
matter that's in the soil and transfer that then into nutrients for the plant's needs. At the same time, it is actually um, storing and supporting the underground system um, through the carbon process by sequestering carbon. So in terms of the livestock, then you have got um, a good, healthy, productive pasture for the livestock to eat. So it's important that when we do manage our livestock um, in in a regenerative type of system like this, that we only allow the animals to walk through and take one bite of the plant. When the animal takes a bite of the plant, the plant responds by actually pushing its root system down to help regrow that leaf. If we overgraze by taking several bites and taking it right back to ground level, the plant's roots actually, um, the plant regulates its root system and it shortens them to compensate, so therefore you're not getting a pulse of nutrients and microbial activity under the soil. So it's very important not to overgraze and that plants need a rest period. And many graziers um, will manage that according to the season, but ideally um, plants in a paddock need about 90 days rest before they're regrazed. Knowing what's going on in a paddock relies on quiet, consistent observation, something Anne does on horseback. Those observations are a driver of decisions and are also important for farmer wellbeing. We use our horses, you know, all the time when we're mustering and also just looking at at our paddocks and where our paddocks are up to because... There's there's no noise from the horse. It's um, you're not distracted, and you are able to take in what's happening in your environment at that time. And you can easily look down at your pastures, and you can actually look through your livestock. And uh, the other important thing that that I've learnt is that it's also very much an essential part of our well-being uh, to be able to um, to enjoy what we're doing and to be able to observe what's happening in our environment to make um, pro, you know, proactive changes for the better. Through the drought, we sold our cattle, um, all of our cattle in February in 2017. We destocked our property because it was getting dry and we wanted to retain our ground cover. We did not restock until December last year, 2021. So that's a significant amount of time that we didn't have any animals on our property to help with the system. Um the realisation is that during that period we really missed having a purpose for our horses and our dogs and um, bringing stock back into the system to help regenerate our system again um, when it was ready to do so has really lifted our spirits and our connectivity with our landscape and it's really is exciting to be able to go out and see, you know, the stock doing really well, they're performing, the cows have got lots of milk for their calves and they're very content. It's all about our management our mindset and our management for change um, because we can use, we, you know, it's, it's been proven over and over again that um, set stocking or not managing your livestock properly will actually put you into um, a degradation situation or, or a forced drought much quicker um, by not managing your livestock so that your plants have time to rest. Calling a plant a weed has negative connotations. But what if we saw all plants as indicators of soil health? What if everything 
was there for a reason. Weeds are generally described as plants that are growing out of place. Um, and in, in general agriculture, that's what we talk about. We talk about weeds, the things that we don't want, the things that we have to spray out or pull out, um, even in our gardens. But when we actually look at the different plant species that we call weeds, um, they're there for a reason. They're part of the succession of repairing your soil. So some of them actually like to extract nitrogen. Some of them will indicate deficiencies. So it is important to understand the plant, the plant type, and what it's telling you because it is there for a reason to fill and cover that bare soil that was there before. So we like to think of them as plants, all in the diverse mix of plant species and grasses and broadleaves that we've got there, all contributing to doing their job in this what we call succession. Um, and after a while, once your soil heals itself, there'll be other plants, more desirable species that'll actually take over from the, what we would traditionally called a weed. Horses are a crucial element in the way Anne Coote farms and also the way she lives. She takes time to create relationships with her horses so they become true and trusting partners on the farm. Horses have always played a significant part in my life um, and they, in addition to well, the relationship that you have with them uh, that I've had with the horses over, over the duration that I've had them has changed a lot too, more in line with um, understanding them and understanding their behaviour and um, it's probably what we refer to as, as natural horsemanship. Um, so people will be able to relate to that terminology. And it is about, um, we people, it's about playing with them but being um, assertive enough to actually get them to be expressive and curious and play um, and us also learning about them at the same time. Um, we do a lot of groundwork with our horses and to be able to get your horse to respond and chase you and play with you um, is the most exhilarating feeling. Um, likewise, when you ride them and you don't have to tug on their mouth, we ride our out a bit most of the time in a halter and we're able to with just body balance and understanding um you know a few um training training um aids that we can quite happily and safely um and enjoyably um you know ride around your farm um in safety our guys the, our horses uh we play with them every week um so they trust us so that's really important part of this relationship and that they have fun doing what they do um and our got we we can catch them anywhere and then climb on right away it's um you know you don't hear the stories you hear many stories no doubt of people sort of trying to spending half a day trying to catch their horse before they even get on them um but if you're spending time with them um that that'll never happen again so it's just spending time with them and each horse takes the time that it takes to get them to that point which is also um, a discovery journey for yourself as much as it is for the horse Dogs are also integral to farm life. What has Anne noticed about different working dog breeds? So the dogs, again, um, they're all individuals. So, and they're probably, by breed, probably are more 
obvious in what their skill sets are as a breed than perhaps horses are. Uh, we have um, a Border Collie. First time we've had a Border Collie and they are amazing dogs. Um, they seem to come with their own built-in USB that tells them what to do. They are just so intuitive, um, very um, very eager to please and ready to go at all times. So that does uh, present some challenges, but we find that if you can instill the basics in them as their puppies when you first get them, then they have those skills for life as well. So that's and one of the key ones is to stop and actually come back to you so that you can actually then um, give them, you know, further instructions. Um, we have a cattle dog, Stumpy, da- Stumpy Tail Cattle Dog. They are also really awesome dogs to have. Very trainable, but they've got a bit more grunt about them than than uh, a sheepdog or a, or a collie, and um, they take a little bit more handling. But can be done. Again, it's the amount of time that you spend with them, um, training them and playing with them. Farming is constantly challenging. When she looks to the future, Anne is focusing on building resilience in the face of climate change and spreading the word about regenerative agriculture. For um, for everyone to understand that this is um, a natural um, integrated system, that we can't take pieces out of it and treat individual pieces of the system. It has to be holistic um, and I think once you get to that point and acknowledge that for yourself, then you can actually see the pieces that actually need a bit more help. Um, so the journey continues. Um, each year we're going to be challenged by different environmental impacts, uh, but we ha- what the key, the key to this is building resilience in various parts of your business so that you can actually um, mitigate um, the extent of the loss or the extent of the, the time that these disasters disasters may impact us. I think the last the, the last drought certainly had people questioning where, you know, what what's this all about? What could we change? What we can what can we do? What we're seeing um, across agriculture is obviously the coastal fringes, the smaller properties of where they're growing produce, um, are certainly very quickly going to a regenerative style of agriculture. Low imports, um, you know, good the focus on good healthy food uh, from good soils. Um, broadacre agriculture is still. Whilst it's it is very production focused, so it does have a lot of inputs and it's quite technical. Um, they are starting to understand, um, you know, they are reducing their carbon emissions um, by understanding their inputs, but they've got work to do, and they are beginning to um, to to better understand the importance of soil soil microbes you know, as a fundamental part of, um, you know, the future of farming. Despite the big picture challenges, Anne is cheered and enlivened by the cycles of nature and the improvements she sees on her own farm. Theory is one thing, but theory in action fills her with joy. It's exciting, it's challenging and change means that you know you're curious about you know you know what else can we do what else is there um and obviously the fact that we can't see microbes is also um i guess rather 
you know, you know, we, we have a curiosity to discover what's out there. Obviously, the scientists are working very hard at understanding those processes. But, you know, fundamentally, if we think about it, if we look after what's above the ground, the critters under the ground will look after what's under the ground. So, um, you know, that that's a big call um, in terms of what we need to do for the future to mitigate uh, climate change um, as well as um, feed our local communities uh but it's it's not that simple but it, it it is doable there's nothing i love more than to to catch the horse and and go for a ride and actually see the cattle out underneath the trees or them content at grazing um and allowing us to be able to to ride through them and check them and make sure they're all okay um to see the plants the diversity of plants that will return after you've implemented regenerative practices um, is incredible. So there's plant species that we haven't seen for years. And there's, there, there will be plants and grasses that I have never seen here at all, ever, that will actually eventually return. The soil and um, the natural system is um, a really amazing process if we allow it to help and self, self-repair uh, by allowing it time and um and not and not crowding it so that it actually can get back to you know natural systems so it is very exciting and it really fills me with joy that um you can actually um you can actually make simple changes that you can see results in short periods of time whilst other changes will take you know a number of years to see uh, but it is a journey and you have to stick with it, it um, but it is exciting. Regenerative agriculture means different things in different environments, but at its heart, it's about working with nature and ecology rather than trying to subdue or override. On her own patch near Moree, Anne Coote is enjoying the journey. This is The Producers, a Deep in the Weeds production. I'm Danny Fallant. Stay tuned as we talk to some of Australia's best farmers, makers and growers. Follow us on Instagram at Producers Podcast or contact us via deepintheweeds.com.au.